0: Jared's going to share with us from the word today. I'm going to read to you firstly from Luke 12, and then Julie's going to read to you from 1 Thessalonians 5. Luke 12, 35 to 48. Be dressed ready for service and keep your lamps burning, like men waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can completely open the door for him. I'm not sure what I said there, so I'll just read that again. So that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those whose servants, whose master finds them watching when he comes. I will tell you the truth. He will dress himself to serve. will have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready. Even if he comes in the second or third watch of the night. But understand this if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming he would not have let his house be broken into you also must be ready because the son of man will come at an hour when you do not expect him peter asked lord are you telling this parable to us or to everyone the lord answered who then is the faithful and wise manager whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance at the proper time. It will be good for that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. I'll tell you the truth, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose the servant says to himself, my master is taking a long time in coming. He then begins to beat the, the men servants and women's servants and to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. That servant who knows his master's will and does not get ready or does not do what his master wants will be beaten with many blows. But the one who does not know and does things deserving punishment will be beaten with few blows. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. May God give us understanding. 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 to
1: 11. Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates we do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come in. but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that, whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. Let's pray. Heavenly
2: Father, we come before your word now and ask for your help. Apart from your spirit, um, we would leave unchanged. We wouldn't listen to you. Your word is sharper than a double-edged sword so we pray that you would cut us to the heart this morning that we might live for your glory alone it's in jesus name that we pray amen i developed a a habit um, when i was studying at university um, of walking up and down um, the streets of a night time um, it gave me the opportunity to get out in the middle of an assignment or studying for an exam, and I would just pace the streets. Um, it was very peaceful, which is why I liked it. Um, very different to the way that you would walk up a street um, in the day. Um, it was it was dark, but it wasn't gloomy. Um, just quiet. The air was always crisp and cold, and the emptiness gave rise to um, a sober sort of tone um, that led me to reflect um, about various things. Um, Sometimes it would really depend on what was going on in my life. Um, If I was um, struggling through something, I would think about that, meditate on it and pray about it. Um, But often... I found that the thing that I kept coming back to, what I was thinking about, um, was life in general and thinking and reflecting on the people that were around me in in the houses of the neighborhood. There were four questions that came to mind for me, I think all together at the same time really, um, about those people. Number one was, who are they? Number two, what are they doing now at this point in time number three was where have they been in life what sort of lives have they lived and number four was where are they going and it's this last point that has um been most powerfully pressed upon me i think in the last 12 months than it has ever ever been um the question of where are they going um, what will their end be how have they prepared themselves to die are they prepared uh, the bible is not silent on the issue of how things end um, in fact it refers to the end of all things all all throughout scripture it is almost as though the scripture it's an entirety it's in its entirety is pointing forward to this one one event that will end all things um, and if God in his word is almost yelling to us about this one thing, then it's right for us to pay attention to it. Uh, the Bible's clear that it is a question of deep significance. Um, and J.C. Ryle, um, who wrote Thoughts for Young Men, um, Kev, Dave and I were going through that. Um, he says, your life is all uncertainty,
1: death, And judgment is sure, surely
2: none are so mad as those who are content to live unprepared to die. And so our our subject for this morning is living ready. We'll be working our way pretty exclusively through First Thessalonians chapter 5, taking what might feel like another, yet another detour from our series in Luke. Um, That's okay. That's the way that God's planned it for us um and we'll be looking at that, at that topic and um, um, there are three three sections that i'd like us uh, to look at firstly uh the coming day of destruction the coming day of judgment secondly the salvation of our god and then thirdly we'll ask the question how how do we live ready how do we live in a way that prepares us for that day so firstly um day of destruction. Look uh, with me at verse 1. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief uh, in the night. So after some uh, introductory statements, and I'm already talking about the end in chapter 4, Paul goes on to describe how much the Thessalonians know. Um, That word fully in the ESV, um, you yourselves are fully aware, um, means to know full well, to know perfectly, and carries with it the idea of being very careful or diligent, um, even researching that thing with with the highest degree of accuracy. Um, And so the first thing um, that this should tell us is that we, are in need of constant reminder Um, we are a terribly forgetful people by nature i myself find that i'm very forgetful Um, we're very uh, quick to be dulled in the hearing and prone to forget the most important of things so paul having already said in verse one um, you have no need to have anything written to you then proceeds to write to them and exhort them with these words all Christians need reminding, including us here online and the in the sanctuary, Chapel Street needs reminding. But notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say um, you yourselves are fully aware um, as to whether the specific the specifics of the second coming fit a uh, premillennial or postmillennial view or an amillennial view. Um, Paul's concern isn't with the specifics and the details um, of Christ's return. There have been many people who have who have looked into that and and they've been wrong, um, which is to say that God's people um, are never to be broken up or segregated between people who have those different views. How does Paul um, look at it? He says, um, You are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. We should instead start to think in terms of who is and who is not ready, who is not taking the day of the Lord seriously um, as a real event that is fast approaching and will soon be here. In fact, that word aware in the ESV again, which is what I'm reading from fully aware uh, refers to the act of beholding or perceiving, but then it, it, ends up in a, in a remembering or an appreciation of something. So if I'm aware of something, I remember it. Um, and when I'm not aware of it, I don't remember it. Um, it's, it's a knowing that comes by seeing or hearing. So we're hearing the word now, but which doesn't get stored away or forgotten. Um, rather it, it sort of bleeds into our every waking moment, thought and shapes the and changes our hearts and this is immensely practical when you think about it Um, regardless of your view on the tribulation um, or any other specific and end time doctrine um, we're still going to have to persevere right until the end when christ returns or until we die Um, but if the day of the lord comes like a thief in the night that has implications for the way that we live. It gives us a sense of urgency. It changes the way that we, that we think of, of every moment. Um, but before I go on, I don't wanna speak out of ignorance. It is very important to, to look at the whole council of scripture and, and there are details of the second coming that we should pay attention to. Um, but simply, to, I wanted to start by saying, it's far better to have a wrong view of our eschatology um, and change our minds mid-air, as um, one theologian might say. Um, but but to have been ready for that day, then to have not been ready, um, but to have had the right idea. So Paul gives us um, this subject for our attention: the thief in the night. Verse two: For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. So um, the Christian knows that the day is like a thief in the night. What does that mean? Um, well, the primary thought for, uh, that most of us understand is, is that no one knows when the thief is coming. Um, the thief doesn't tell you when he's going to rob your house. Um, and when he does come to rob your house, um, you are left unprepared. You um, weren't ready. Um, but there's there's more than that. Um, the thief brings an element of destruction, and we see that in verse 3. But the thief invades your home, he's not welcome, and seldom leaves without taking something from you, often something very valuable. He causes fear, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. That's from John. And reminds you of your inability to protect even the things closest to you. He comes unannounced, is unwelcome, and often dangerous. Someone against whom each one of us ought to prepare. Um, We lock our doors uh, to get ready for the thief. Um, So the thief is not just someone who comes unannounced, but who brings destruction. Uh, And this is um, the sober fact That Paul is aware of and wants us to be aware of that this that description of the thief um, is actually very similar to the way that God will appear to those who have not repented um, on judgment day when he comes everything the sinner has will be taken away there'll be nothing left gone instantly not all their possessions not only all their possessions but also the very life that God gave them. He will kill and destroy the sinner. There's the idea of destruction. No one can defend against him. He will not check in with you before he comes. He will not let us know the day or the hour. Everyone should fear him. And everyone should prepare for his coming. And if this sounds harsh, it's because We struggle to understand much of God's holiness, his holiness, being perfect in goodness and righteousness, since before the foundation of the world, never ceasing to be perfect and and good in all of his thoughts and deeds, God dwells in unadulterated, unapproachable light. He not only defines what is good, but he is himself the source of all that could, could be called good. Um, therefore uh, it's on account of his goodness that he will not refrain from pouring out the most fierce wrath on sinners sinners have committed a great crime so that's what we see in verse three while people are saying there is peace and security then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. So we've seen the day of the Lord comes like a thief in the night, but before um, that we see men declaring things in complete contradiction to scripture, namely that there is peace and security. This will be a time where the Bible's not honoured or listened to, even by people in the church. Uh, The overwhelming belief of all people will be, and, and I would say is currently, that you can live any sort of life, do whatever you want, giving into all manner of sin and ungodliness and expect no disruption, no condemnation, no accountability, the complete security of all that you have and will do. You might think of the prophet's, um, who misled the people by saying peace, peace when there was no peace. Uh, only now it's all people who are saying, who are crying peace, peace. Do you find yourself saying that there will be peace and security? Are you honest and aware about God's judgment? The devil, I think, makes everything feel so comfortable. It's so easy to cry, peace, peace. And we were talking uh, during our time of prayer of the persecution that's going on in North Korea. But we have, they pity us because we know nothing of of that persecution. We're crying, peace, peace. I um, read a study that indicated that the world um, is is getting richer and richer over time. In 1940, uh, the study said, 40% 40% of people lived um, in extreme poverty under the extreme poverty line, which I think they're defined as two, $2 a day. And that same number in 2018 was close to 10%. So we've seen 30% reduction in that figure. And the s- figures were the same regardless of what standard you use, whether it was 2 $5, $10. And that's not a bad thing. It's a very good thing. Um, but the... Um, I guess the overwhelming narrative that you see around that whenever that happens is not praise God, let's humble ourselves before him for for being merciful to us. Um, The overwhelming theme is um, look at how we've made the world a better place. Look at what all of our technology is doing. Um, In other words, uh, the narrative is there is peace and security. The world is convinced that we can live without God, that there is no God, um, but God will prove them wrong. How? Verse 3, because while they are saying peace and security, uh, to quote verse 3, then sudden destruction will come upon them. Not only will that day be the most horrifying that the world has ever seen, but it locks everything into place. Um, Paul Washer on this text said that it was a moment of finality, finality, the idea of sudden destruction. Um, Once that trumpet blows, there's no turning back. Time is up from this one decisive jolting moment before you can even take your next breath or blink your eyes. Everything is finished. Another way of thinking about it might be that there's no point locking the door if the thief's already in your house. After he's in, your fate's more or less set. So we have no chance to take it back after this one moment. And Paul ends this verse, therefore, by saying that they will not escape. We can't presume on on God forgiving us after he's come. We have one chance and it's now. Not one single person will escape that isn't believing in Christ. Come judgment day, you will look on the unrighteous and you may see many running or hiding, calling rocks to fall upon them in the language of Isaiah. But the statement will be proven true. Not one of them escaped. Sam read for us in the call to worship, even darkness is as light to you. There is no hiding everyone will be called to account. And the point for us believing in Christ, uh, confessing to believe in Christ is this. We are not yet excluded from that fate because until that day, nothing's fixed. I might look a Christian now, but does that mean that on judgment day, I necessarily will be? Not necessarily. Not all who start the race, finish it. That's why Paul makes such an effort to to finish the race, to persevere, to keep going. Think of the most Christian person that you know, even they could fall away. And think of the most sinful person that you know, even they could come to repentance. If nothing is fixed, then we ought not presume on anything. And instead, we persevere. We remain watchful, which we'll come to later. The day of the Lord's return will be a day of destruction. Therefore, make certain that you are ready. That's our first point. The second point is the salvation of God. So Paul doesn't just say there's judgment coming. Therefore, be sober. There's something more to that. Verse 9. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. I'm convinced we don't hear those words as we ought to hear them. I so often forget their significance. But to know the plight of man, to know the pure holiness of God, should make us afraid to hear of the day of of God's coming judgment, and so relieved to hear of the salvation of our God that he has not destined us for wrath. The Bible's clear that we're all destined for something, that without Christ, we are without hope, without a savior, Um, we're blind, deaf, numb, dead. We should ponder the fact that we were really going to hell. Hell is a real place. And though it has many misconceptions, one thing can be sure, and that is that it is unbearable. Unbearable. It's torment that lasts forever. It goes on and on and on and on and on. And there's an idea around that the punishment for sin on that day will be annihilation. That is, that you'll cease to exist. But the wrath of God brings eternal punishment real endless pain forever. in hell. we would wish that we would be turned to nothing. Meditate on this because the more that we understand the, the horror of that day, the horror of hell, um, the true and real torment that will be there, the more that we can appreciate and will love our Savior, So starting again from verse 9, I'll read it again. Think now of this as as the account of your moving out of this darkness and judgment into light for God. I'll stop there. It almost sounds like Ephesians 2 verse 4 to me, doesn't it? Um, But God. uh, This is referring to God the Father, the one who predestines, um, the one who sets his love upon his people, plans salvation, Um, does not withhold his only son, then judges his only son, then raises his own son up, and then sets the time, the day and the hour that his son will return in glory. And so this God, this God, think think of who he is, the almighty, the great I am, has not destined us for wrath. This God, just stop and think, We we know our Bibles. We know something of the greatness of God, Uh, the God who is a consuming fire. This God has, to some, chosen for them not to be destined for wrath. It's an incredible thing. What for then? What has he destined them for? For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. This speaks of our predestination. Uh, that God has predestined us according to the riches of his love. Um, Because this verse would logically read, um, and it has left out the words in the second part of of the verse, for God has not destined us for wrath, but has destined us to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So he hasn't destined us for wrath, but he has destined us to, receive salvation obtain salvation um and that word obtain has two meanings um, two sort of meanings um the first of course is how you would think to obtain to receive something so i um on that day when i can see christ coming again i can see the heavens blazing with fire and and Christ coming down from the clouds. I'll know that that is the day that I will receive my salvation because I believed in him because I left everything for him. It's what we're groaning for today and, and what we're striving to, to live for. Amen. But secondly, the word also means to have something already um, to be, in possession of something um, and so to know christ now is to have everlasting life now and though there's there's still that that lack of finality because the day hasn't come yet we we still have hope that we're living in eternal life now we don't have to wait for christ's return for everlasting life so we've obtained salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us. It is a stirring thing to think of judgment coming, um, to think of how the Father chose us um, not to receive his wrath, but to obtain salvation. But we have to remember that without the death of Christ, none of it means anything if Christ if Christ were to return on that day of doom um, and we didn't have Christ we would go to hell god couldn't destine us to obtain salvation with him forever because god must judge sin god is holy and holiness cannot be in the presence of sin without judging it god when he comes again without the, without covering of Christ, without the blood that, as the song oh, says,
1: so these are your <laughs> asking,
2: with, uh, between the that veil, that we, um, we would go to hell. And so um, the whole gospel, the whole salvation of our God, centers and hinges on this one point, the death of Christ, which leads us to verses 4 and 5. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of the darkness. That is how Paul can say that the day will not surprise us. We are children of the light, and Christ has made us children of the light. We once were in darkness, Ephesians 5, therefore do not become partakers with them, for at one time you were in darkness but Colossians 1:13 he that is Christ has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son on him goes like this mid rendering ro- rending rocks and darkening skies my savior bows his head and dies the opening veil reveals the way to heaven's joys and endless day. Therefore, being prepared for this day is all about Christ. It's all about Christ. It's not about our works, striving really hard, putting up a good appearance, appearing really watchful, not doing bad things. It's not even necessarily about coming to church, praying, reading the Bible, going to a Bible study. We have to be in Christ. We have to be united to him by real saving faith, which is why Paul gives us that indicative in verse 4, you are sons of light. Therefore, ensure that you are sons of light. Back to verse 10. Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. This has been, um, if you know 1 Thessalonians, Paul's burden since chapter 4, verse 13, um, he's encouraging the Thessalonians, we don't have to grieve as those who have no hope. Um, It appeared that the Thessalonians were, and so um, Paul is encouraging them, That if anyone has believed in Jesus, then on the last day he will rise. He will rise because Jesus has died and he rose from the dead. He conquered death. He paid the penalty for our sin. And so, if you're asleep, that is dead, then you will be called up first. And if you are awake, that is alive, then you will be joined. You'll be called up and join with them and this is such a sure hope for us to hold on to paul is saying once you're in once you know you're saved then you can be sure that you'll be with him in paradise not even death can keep you from going to heaven and so that brings us to our third and final point more of an application um is Being ready, living in the day. How do we live in the day? Firstly, we have to remember that we're thinking about the judgment of God that is coming, and we're thinking about the salvation of God. Without those two things, there is no no reason for me to do anything. And so before we move on, we have to ask ourselves, Do we know the Lord? If I don't know the Lord, everything that comes after this isn't worth listening to. Until I know the Lord, I have to know the Lord first. But if the answer is yes, then we read verse 6. So then, because you know the Lord, let us not sleep as others do. Let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober. Having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. So three applications that I'll leave us with. Firstly, stay awake. Secondly, be sober. Thirdly, live lives of love, faith, and hope. Firstly, staying awake. Um, For us to be awake, we need to be actively aware of the second coming um, being soon. It's an impending thing, um, which means to continually live with it in mind. Um, The verse that Warren read for us, the passage that Warren read for us, said, blessed are those who the master finds watching, watching. During the day, that is the day today, is when you are most alert. It's when you're most conscious, aware of your surroundings, active. And we need to be that in a spiritual sense. Remember verse 2, Paul says that the Thessalonians need to be uh, fully aware, aware, carrying with it the idea that they're remembering. We need to tether the truths of the judgment of God and the salvation of God to us so that they're with us all the time. And How do we do that? Firstly, it's staying and abiding in God's word, that we would always be reading the word, and therefore it would abide in us. 15 minutes isn't enough a day. Just reading it and then leaving isn't enough. To study and to meditate, to let the word really sink in and stay there, to memorise scripture, to allow ourselves concentrated time to understand it is so important. God never allows us the excuse that we are not the type of people to read. Christ gave his life. If I am struggling to read, I need to change something. Secondly, exposure to the word, which is slightly different. Um, Reading it deeply is is important, but having it there in front of us all the time is is slightly different. Um, It comes by the word abiding in you. Um, But, for example, Lucy's put all over our house, Bible verses so that whenever I'm getting something to eat or whether I'm um, opening the closet, uh, there is a Bible verse that I will read and I'll see it and it will remind me of God, but also of whatever the text is talking about. If we did that with the second coming. we would remember it a lot more. It would jolt us back into action. Um, thirdly, prayer. Because when we ask God to pray, When we ask God through prayer to change our hearts, he listens, he will change our hearts. He will make us more aware of of the second coming if we ask him to. Fourthly, be around Christians who are serious about reading the Bible, um, who Christians who know the second coming is is coming, is nearly here. Um, To be around those people changes you. It's, discipleship it's where we convict each other of our sleep sleepiness that we're not awake to find good friends that will do that for us to be the sort of people that will tell others are you asleep asking that question finally fifthly taking sin seriously because the reality is the more that we um, enjoy sin or wander into sin The more we wander into sin, the more that we will enjoy it and the more that our heart will want to stay there. Um, People fall away because they're living lives of hidden sin. Um, (laughs) Maybe a good question to ask is um, how does your time awake compare to your time asleep? Are we awake? for one hour of the day and then asleep for 23. I've been times where I have felt awake reading the Bible. Um, but then we leave and it's it's almost as though with James we we leave the mirror and forget what we look like. We forget everything. Um, and if you were to imagine picture the average churchgoer, how many times do you think they would they would think of of the return of Christ or even about God through the day? How many times would they pray for Christ's return? If I asked them if they wanted Christ's return to happen, they wouldn't, I doubt, would say no. One or two might say no. Um, But um, at, at least in my life, there's been at times this, Absent minded idleness, where we want the second coming to come, but we don't think about it. Whereas it's quite often the opposite in our experience the things that we want, we think about all the time. So Jesus says, Blessed are those servants whom the Master finds awake when he comes. Paul's saying, Don't forget, lest in your forgetting, you prove yourself to be in the darkness secondly be sober be sober this of course isn't referring to the freedom from literal drunkenness although it might include it Um, it has something to do with the ongoing battle between the spirit and our flesh Um, to be sober is to be free from illusion to have clarity of mind Um, to be drunk oppositely is to be intoxicated Um, and you think of drunk people they often follow after their own passions and desires there's no filter they just do whatever they want to Um, and this covers obedience that flows from being awake if we're awake then then we will be sober how do we do that firstly um, be discerning about the sins that are in your life to have your wits about you um solomon writes a lot about the need um for wisdom um to yeah to be wise and to know um what's going on in our own hearts the opposite uh, if the opposite of being sober is drunkenness um, then we need to look look for signs of drunkenness in our own lives repent of them secondly be disciplined um, maintain a concentrated effort at at destroying in yourself any opportunity um, for sin resolving simply to cut it off paul says um, in first corinthians that he disciplines his own body to make it a slave and that is because if your body is not your slave then you will be a slave to your body we read in first philippians chapter three for many of whom i have often told you and now tell you even with tears walk as enemies of the cross of christ their end is destruction their god is their belly they do whatever they want to do and their glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things they're asleep they're not being sober they're drunk verse 20 but our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a savior so this idea of Being sober is, and and being awake, they're just interwoven. What is it ultimately that we set our minds upon? And then thirdly, be serious about the truth. Sobriety has been something that has rebuked and challenged me throughout my Christian life in a world where we have memes and uh, like to laugh at comedy um, even things of serious importance like the bible um, become matters of laughter but when we speak of the things of the bible we cannot forget that they are the most weighty matters known to mankind what's more important than the judgment of god the salvation of god that comes through christ We must make sure that in soberness, we deny ourselves and not take every opportunity to make ourselves feel good. Um, we might talk about the theme the theme of your days. What, what is the theme of your days? Because one thing that struck me too from this text is that um, if the theme of my days is Christ, that is, I'm working for Christ, I'm denying myself, I'm thinking about the second coming, It's not going to be a surprise, verse 4. It will not be a surprise to you when Christ returns, because the theme has just been Christ, and then Christ finishes it off, and it just makes sense. But if the theme of our days is living for ourselves, living in complete forgetfulness of the coming of Christ, then for Christ to then suddenly come, it almost feels like we're living the life of an unbeliever. It surprises us Do you have enough? I'm ready. So, to live sober and awake is is so important. And then, from that, our third application living lives of hope, uh, love, and faith. Um, This comes from verse 8. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. It appears that, that these things flow from um, the so- soberness and awakeness that Paul is talking about. Um, and um, they're actually mentioned, those three things are mentioned at the, the opening part of First Thessalonians, and I'll just mention them briefly. First um, 2 of chapter 1, uh, we give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labour of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. So if I'm sober, I'm not following my own passions. And instead of following my own passions, I'm, I'm not loving myself, I'm loving others. Um, and instead of doing whatever I want, by faith, I'm doing what God wants of me. Um, so they come from that soberness. Um, and then we, um, we love, um, take faith and hope. So let's look at each of those in turn. Uh, love, uh, in chapter one, the idea of laboring, um, is to live for the ultimate benefit of others. Um, in Bible study with uh, Dave and... Roz and Bryony last week, we looked at, and Lucy, um, we looked at, at each of these three things. And um, when we talked about love, um, we looked to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Um, love is patient, love is kind, it does not seek its own gain. So ultimately, it will mean to love as Christ has loved us. So again, to look at the salvation of God and and to replicate it almost and to die to ourselves to take up our crosses and follow him Uh, for example um loving people at church is seldom easy Um, if someone's having a hard time it's often easier to think well how could they make me feel better but to think to reverse and just think how can i how can i love them how can we be a community where we are knitted together in love? As was mentioned before, a work of faith, um, persuasion of what the Lord has said, and then a, f- a firm conviction to remain faithful to it. So, uh, of course, if if I'm if I'm drunk, I'm not going to um, take heed to what the Bible says. The Bible says, if I have a firm conviction on the Sabbath. And then I am living life drunkenly. I won't observe that or uh, we won't love any of the commands of the Bible. We will neglect. But by faith, staying awake, saying no to the flesh um, is, is seldom easy. Paul's saying, um, you hear this now and you're nodding and I'm nodding um, but what about when it gets difficult? Are you resolved um, to obey Christ, keeping in mind the judgment that's coming? And then finally the steadfastness of hope. Um, that we would not forget the joy that awaits us in heaven. Uh, if this is really true, then nothing else matters. Think of the people in North Korea again, they they don't care that they're being persecuted they just love christ they're just waiting for the day that he comes back and so if this is true you can beset me with weakness with all manner with of trials and i can know that my future will not be shaken so therefore to to love to to work in faith um, to be sober and awake all doing it in love in hope sorry in hope looking forward to and expecting the day to come where we're taken to be with him in heaven. And so we'll conclude. Um, So the day will come like a thief in the night, Um, but by the grace of God made possible by the death of Christ, we don't have to fear. We can be hidden in Christ if we believe in him. If by faith we are united to him in his death, um, we will we will rise with him. So repent, cling to Christ for your salvation. Stay awake, don't fall asleep. Don't give in or get drunk. Love, believe, and hope in him. Perhaps when you hear those calls, um, you might feel like me at times, a little less like Jesus who could stay awake all night praying, A little more like the disciples in Gethsemane struggling to keep awake. Um, But what would the old Christians say to encourage themselves? Maranatha, our Lord come. So remember this. Remember the cost of your salvation. Maybe today, maybe today in the twinkling of an eye, we will be called home to be with him. I'll close with this hymn. One more trumpet yet to summon us before the judgment seat. Then the time of our frail planet will be said to be complete. How the wicked will be wailing and the righteous overjoyed. When with fire the heavens are burning and the earth shall be destroyed.
1: Let's pray. Lord, we need your spirit alive
2: in us your word active changing us that we would not sleep get drunk we wouldn't forget the price that your son paid on the cross help us lord to repent to believe to live lives of love faith and hope lord i pray that each one of us would think more of your coming that we would be prepared, and that we would share with others the message that they need to hear. Well, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing.